Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast for the love of cinema, a movie podcast, where our motto is we just hope it doesn't suck. This episode 335B, the second episode for the week, we'll now, we'll now discuss our thoughts on Flamin' Hot from Hulu. With you for that discussion, just Grayson Maxwell and Roger Stillian for the episode yes. discussing Transformers Rise of the Beast, including the whole box office breakdown, what's streaming, and trailer talk. Check out episode 335A posted on Tuesday, 620. Well, here's a movie, Roger, that I'm sure no one saw. <laughs> because I even had a hard time finding it on Hulu. I died to search it up. It wasn't even on the, like, their anything main page or like recently released. It was weird. It just came out. It wasn't on their like main thing. You had to go into the actual movie section and get to it, which I thought was weird. I agree. But... It's very strange. Let's talk about Flame and Hot. All right. Audience, or sorry, Tomato Meter, 68%. Decent. Yep. Mm-hmm. Audience score, 90%. Even better. Mm-hmm. Even better. I was actually surprised at how much I enjoyed this, to truth be told. I didn't expect yeah, much from it. I actually liked it quite a bit. But it was uh, it, it, it has quite a bit of character to it, and that's you know always a great thing. Let's talk about some particulars before we get into it. All right. Jesse Garcia, Andy Gonzalez, Denny, Dennis Haysbert, Matt Walsh, Tony, Tony Salou, Shaloub, Bobby Shaloub. Sato, Pepe Serna, Emilio Rivera, Vanessa Martinez, directed by, and I didn't know this until I saw it, Eva Longoria. <laughs> Good for yeah. her getting uh, getting a directorial debut in. And I want to talk about the uh, the poster for one second. Something we don't actually, we don't do often, but have you seen the poster for Flamin' Hot? I have not. It's pretty sweet, actually. You should check it out. It's, it's, um, it's, our, it's our guide, Richard Montañez, sitting on a, a bed Montanez. of sitting on a bed of uh, flaming hot cheetos and he's doing the 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 god touch on the um the like the like the Sistine chapel Oh like the Sistine chapel? Yeah, he's like he's touching Oh, you know, what? okay, I just pulled it up. That's <laughs> hilarious. I think that's a great poster for this. Yeah, that's it, clever. It, very fitting too. Very 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 fitting. Um okay, so let's talk about Flaming Hot Roger. What's this one about? Very simply. So, I mean, this is a story about how um uh, a young man uh Mr. Montanez ends up uh putting together a thing that helps save Frito Lay, you know, make them a bunch of money by creating the flaming hot spice for that ends up being most notoriously known as flaming hot Cheetos. But, you know, you can get on just about anything now. So basically launched a billion dollar brand about how that came about. So good for him. And they somehow made this, they somehow made a movie about of the invention of a chip flavor, like super interesting in the same way they made the movie about, or in that segment of air where they made like how to make a shoe, they made that mm-hmm. sort of riveting with the guys that yeah, were in cool. the room plus how they did it. So let's talk about flame and hot for one second, shall we? Let's about the invention of <laughs> the invention Cheetos. of flame the flame and hot Cheetos, which sends the, the the flavor spread to pretty much everything that Frito Lay makes. You can get flame and hot anything. I've had the flame and hot Funyuns. I've had the flame and hot Cheetos. I've had the flame and hot Doritos. Those are probably the only three I've had. Because did I'm you see f- the flaming hot Mountain Dew thing? I did, and I wondered what that was. Well, I'd never even I, seen that. I asked somebody earlier. I was like, "Did you know that was a real thing?" And they're like, "Christ, no, I didn't know that." Um, but apparently, it is. So that is weird, though. How that is a thing? Why but, would you want that? <laughs> mm, I don't know, but I mean, obviously, they're making it. So obviously, people there are there's a sector of people that do dig uh, flaming hot Mountain Dew. So, all right, let's talk about. <sighs> Flaming hot. What did you going into this movie? What did you expect? Well, let me ask you that. Um, you know what? I saw the trailer and I thought it was going to be a little bit hokey, but it's really not. It actually tells uh, a kind of a a, drama, a dramatized story, but with uh, you know, there's a good bit of humor in there, and I thought that was kind of good. 
And uh, but, you know, the story is actually pretty solid. I was I was surprised, like there's a good family story and all that. So I was happy with what we got. I thought it was going to be it might just be like, you know, some weird like, oh, this is how we make Cheetos, blah, blah, blah. But I was totally OK with it. You know, I thought it, there was a chance it could have been like Weird Al Yankovic or Weird, the, the Al Yankovic story kind of hokey, which is its own okay. style in its own way. But otherwise, I mean, I didn't think it was that bad. I, or, or, sorry, I didn't think it was that hokey. I actually thought it was they centered it well, especially with like the Haysburg character is the important one here. The yeah, one that no, the, the one that grounds the entire movie and, and, and helps. He's kind of like a mentor to our guy, but also like Dennis Haysburg brings gravitas to the screen because his voice yeah, and his, his like, sweet, presence. powerful voice yes yeah. all state isn't, isn't, isn't that yes. the all state guy yeah it's all state guy yes <laughs> so all right so the invention of the flaming hot cheeto is actually kind of different than i thought it was going to be it's yeah and i i, I like seeing tony shalhoub again as yeah, um, i ain't seen him in a while yeah roger he's, oh. yeah he's uh he, he has been yeah I did. Uh, I did really appreciate seeing him and Matt Walsh. I'm glad we got to see him again. From you know, he did those. I, I know him well from um, old school. That's I always watch that movie. Yep. He's one of the guys that's trying to get in to see the Godfather. <laughs> I need this. <laughs> yeah. Matt Walsh is uh, the the plant manager, Lonnie Mason, which is Lonnie. Which is which is which is great. So i there and there also is a bit of like culture in this too and by that i mean like yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of like latino culture built there's into a, this yeah, script. there's a lot of you know built in for like the mexican family element which is a, is a big deal and i like the the way that they tell you know his story about how like you know he wasn't always the best person you know he boosted cars and sold drugs and you know, did other stuff and sold drugs again. And I, I actually kind of laughed about that, how they, how he like laid it out, but like his whole thing, you know, his, his girlfriend slash wife, whatever she was at the time ended up pregnant. And, you know, he realized that he had to turn his life around and, uh, he tried to do that in the best way he could end up getting a job at the Frito-Lay factory or work fighting to get a job at the Frito-Lay factory. And, you know, I thought that was kind of nice. And, you know, it does, it's not all a happy story either. You know, like, you know, it's not like he gets the Frito, invents this like special spice chip and everything gets better and life moves along all hunky dory. Like he's not doing so well there. Like he survives some layoffs because he's a serviceable person and, you know, attaches himself to uh, um, what's Haysworth's character's middle uh, name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> His middle initial stands for charisma. Oh, Clarence C. Baker. Clarence Charisma. Clarence, Baker. What's the C stand for? Charisma. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it really did stand for charisma. Um, but yeah, and I, I like how he made himself an integral part of the factory, and you know how he had to have his like reckoning with his own father, who you know he had an abusive childhood, and his father found uh, God later in life, and you know, tried to get him to follow the the way of him. And, you know, he didn't really want to go that route, even to the point where, you know, they're at a family barbecue and the, the pastor is there and he tells the pastor, he's like, you know, this guy used to beat the shit out of me and all that stuff. And, you know, it, that kind of comes to a head with like a forgiveness moment. And uh, I know you probably loved that, didn't you? Of course I did. I, of yes. course you did. Now, look, I, I, I'm not going to say that I didn't like it, but I, I watched this movie as like Grayson is eating this shit up right now. I knew it. I, I just really hope like that's a part of that true story. 
really, well, I, I don't really think this is a part of that. I don't. I did a little bit. Of, I don't think this is like factually correct. I think they've dramatized it for the movie to sure, make it course. a tellable story. I don't think all the things happened the way that it did. He he may have been a janitor, and I think he may have been had an idea, but I don't think any of it went down the way that we we say it did in the or that the movie says it did. So well, I, I mean, think, he. I, I'm pretty sure he was an actual gangbanger. Um, well, I'm he sure got the, on a Frito Lay. So I think the broad strokes are correct, but like the intricacies of like the plant life and how he got ri- that how he got Shalhoub's character to come down. I don't think that's correct though. But mm. um, but I mean, it, it makes for makes for an interesting movie though. The movie that we don't get to see very often either, and that's also kind of cool because we don't get to see a movie about chips or Frito Lay as a company. No, and actually, I really thought I know you mentioned it too. Like watching them be made was actually kind of interesting. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's we've all that's look, stuff we, you don't see every day. We've all had a bag of chips now and again for a snack. We've all had that, especially growing up. That was huge in the 90s is just grab a bag of chips. But yeah. I also thought they did a really good job of doing like the old bags of Doritos and Fritos and stuff like that. See, like that was like a memory thing. I didn't realize how long it had been since I had uh, seen a bag of like original Fritos, like what they used to look like. You know what I mean? Or the or the cool ranch Doritos or the Doritos. Yeah. Now they'll they'll do like a special like period where like you can get those sweet old bags, but yeah, for the most part those are gone. But uh, you know, one one thing that I didn't that I think seems to be like erased from history is the the taco flavored Doritos. Yeah, those they are, were great. Those are my favorite, but I don't see them very often. And well, they, when they I do used see to them, be Taco Bell flavored, then they oh. lost that rights, and then they just became taco flavored. Then they just kind of disappeared. Well, I don't. You That's can get them every now and then. Yeah, I don't see them very often. And when they when I do see them, they don't taste like they used to taste. Like I remember tasting it in, in high school and like, wow, this is the best chip I've ever had in my life. Now I have it's them now so and it's like good. it's not they're not anywhere near as good, but maybe I'm just remembering it differently. Maybe my taste buds have changed, but I don't think that's the case. So I think we should talk about snack chips for just a minute because mm-hmm. I want to talk about snack chips then. Let's talk um, about it. because it's actually very important to this movie. So they get the idea for the flaming hot Cheetos by going to a uh, a Mexican street corn vendor. Um, and if you ever had Mexican street corn, that is some of the best corn you ever have in your whole life. You ever had it? I've never had one of those. No. So it is grilled, uh, slathered in like a cheese mayo like sauce almost and then sprinkled with spices and it is so good it is a little spicy um but if you're okay with that like you would not be unhappy about it but uh sam's club you know our local warehouse store here uh, actually makes a mexican street corn version of tortilla chips that look like doritos you know they're even triangular um, and I love those things and you can only find them seasonally and it makes me sad because they are so fucking good um but I thought that was ironic that that's where I didn't realize that that's where they got the idea for that and uh, Mexican street corn rules. <laughs> it does. It's very popular. It's very popular. It's I, I did like, I mean, the angle they pursued about why he wanted to make them to uh, tying it in with the, with the cultural relevance of mm-hmm. some of uh, like, I, I like the, the arguments they use in the movie too of, well, your other products don't speak to people like, my people, he says, that like spicier food is there's nothing for us. Nope. And we spend money on snack food like everyone else. And yet there's nothing on the shelf that we can grab that looks to our palate of spicier foods. That's what we make in that's what he said. That's what we make in the in like South America. That's what they do is they make food with a, a wide array of spices and peppers. And there's nothing to represent that. And I, I like how that's what they pursued. 
uh, Eva Longoria, I think, very wisely chose to stick with the cultural relevance of mm-hmm. the Mexican family rather than just make it kind of like a small part of the movie, which I thought was great. Yeah, no, like they lean heavy on it and, and it works because their family dynamic isn't the best. Um, but I mean, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but you know, they, they have real struggles and real trials and tribulations. Like, you know, their power goes out when, you know, they're, they're struggling to make their bills and everything like that. And I thought, you know, that's a real look at a real family and stuff that people go through. So. Well, it is, especially the, the economic hard times they go through too. that, that Mm -hmm. ties in with the story too, of a plant life. And I don't know if like, I don't know. I know this movie takes place, you know, decades ago, but the, um, the plant life really doesn't exist anymore in, in America, does it? Like, not as much as it um, a lot of did. that stuff's automated. Very, very few humans actually part of that process. So, some, but not many. Which I, I did like to see because you know it's. I mean, when I was younger, and you know, I'd say middle school is there were still like lots of plants around the Ohio Valley that were still in operation. There were still a bunch of functional steel mills even when I was in high school. Yeah, yeah, so. there were, but there's, those are all gone, and they just shut. I know, just almost all gone for for lack of knowing the area. I know they just shut a big one down, like finally shut down the last sector of it in Wellsburg. Mm-hmm. And I I just know that because I, I had a buddy who's been working there for like 19 years, and they yep, shut it down. He's like he's like they couldn't just give me the 20th year. Nope. <laughs> like now I don't get full retirement. I don't get full pension. I'm like, that sucks, buddy. I'm sorry. But that's, I know they just shut that down. That was going for quite some time, but he had a job he rather enjoyed there. But uh, yeah. I do like that. Look at like the, the factory life and the shift work. And um, yeah, I thought that was clever how they chose to do that. I thought that was clever how they chose to do. Although some, some things in this, like with, 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 with a, a story about this family, the, the Montañas is that focuses on so much of it is based on income is mm-hmm. we don't really get we don't really get like a a scale of what they're working with. We know it's not a lot, but no. when when they just start buying ingredients willy nilly, I think that's a little above their pay grade. Well, she even says when he comes home with all that stuff, she's like, "We can't afford to do this," and he's like, "But we have to take a chance on it." So, I mean, they did mention it. But I mean, that's also immediately afterwards, you know, that's when their power gets shut off. So I think that that was supposed to mean like, hey, they spent maybe what would have been the money for the electric bill, you know, is what ends up being the basis for the spice. So I thought that was kind of cool. You know, a nice little callback. I mean, overall, like I really did enjoy this movie. I don't I don't know if you mentioned yours. What did you what did you like about it? Oh, I, I, I really didn't. It? I mean, I it, it's 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 98 minutes. It's it's an hour and 38 minutes. So that's yep. it's it's nice a, and tight. It's a quick and in quick, nice and tight. They don't waste a lot of time any, anywhere. And I, I, I want to talk about one thing that I wanted uh, to okay. talk about for a second is Jesse Garcia as Richard Montañez is mm-hmm. he's very likable. Yeah. Like that mustache, I, man. <laughs> I wanted it's to ask strong. you. I wanted to ask you about that strong mustache. You're you're yeah. you're, you're a man that appreciates good face. I'm hair. a man of a stash. Yeah, you like a good stash. So the, Jesse Garcia, to me, came out of. I don't. I'm not familiar with his work probably because I don't watch stuff he's in. But I thought he was great. Mm-hmm. Like as the lead in this, I thought. And 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 the wife, um, Annie, Annie Gonzalez, Gonzalez as Judy Montañez was also. They were, and that's one of the things in a movie like this you have to nail. You have to get the husband and wife right. For the family, not only the family dynamic, but because their home life wasn't always great, you have to get two actors that can nail that. So Jesse Garcia says he was in Mother, the movie we just watched. 
You mean mother as in watched like three years ago? No, the mother, the one, the Jennifer Lopez Netflix. Oh, oh I thought you meant mother, like the one last month. The thing with um Jennifer Lawrence, where that weird house she was in, whatever. But, no, okay. no, no, no. Well, who who no. was he in the mother? I don't even know that. I don't know. I'm looking it up now. But, Interesting. One, yeah. of the, one of the one of the assassins, one of the hitmen. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, that's. Okay, that's 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 interesting. And also, one thing I liked is we don't now the mainstream Hollywood. We don't get a lot of. Well, I don't think we we get more than we ever have, but we don't ever get a lot of mainstream Hollywood films. I don't know if I consider it as a mainstream film, but it is on a mainstream service. Mm-hmm. So that focuses on, you know, primarily not a traditional like white American family. No, so yeah, it's, it's it's nice to get these kind of a different take that we do and i mean i i mean netflix does it. i mean they just did it with chupa i mean i understand that but chupa was damn near unwatchable chupa was fucking bad yeah man. chupa was it was damn near unwatchable. not quite unwatchable but it, it wasn't far from it so that's that's the whole thing of and i want to like i always go back to coco being one of my favorite pixar movies of the last 10 years mm-hmm. is um Coco's i was great i had a lot of fun with that one all the wonderful colors and all the wonderful music and I just I always go back to that and watch it because I always enjoy it. It's a, it's a look into something that we don't get very often too. And I think Flamin' Hot does. There is an argument to be made for Flamin' Hot as a movie that is easily enjoyable because we just don't get a lot of it, and it's different. Yeah. And I do like that also. Yeah, I mean the story's good and it flows well and doesn't feel like there's a lot of wasted time, which I also think it hurts. Look. You know, a movie, I have a lot more tolerance for a movie just being okay when it's 90 minutes, you know, as opposed to, you know, 127 minutes, you know, over two hours. They don't try to, they don't try to overstretch it here. Like the story's tight. And here's the thing. They even go through a passage of time, like a multiple multi-year passage of time in this film. And even the way they do, it's kind of clever, you know, by showing you like all the boxes changing and, you know, the dates coming up on things like that. I thought that was kind of cool. So um, I, I liked how they did that and it felt, you know, normal and clean. So I was good with it. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Very much agree with that. now. Do you think there is? Do you think there was a fair amount of cheesiness in this movie too? I, I don't. I don't want to use the word hokey, but cheesiness. Like it just, we kind of just gloss right over certain things because we're just asked to go along with this narrative ride, even though it's cheesy as hell. Um, I don't think not a whole lot, but like I said, because it is a shorter movie, they don't dwell on a lot of stuff for a long time. Like if they didn't consider it important to the story. They had their moment and then they moved on. You know what I mean? Because there are some things that run through the vein of the whole film. You know, his family financial trouble being a big one. Um, the the story between him and his dad being the other big one. And the I think those are the two main ones that run the whole time. But a lot of the other stuff, like there are one-off things. Like once that story arc's closed, they don't go back to it. And that's okay. Like in a shorter film like this, it works. But... You know, they don't they don't dwell a lot on some of that stuff. They just kind of move forward. So that's OK. I agree. And it's it's a tough thing to get right sometimes, too. And, it, and it, it can stand out pretty like a sore thumb, too. Well, yeah, if you make a short movie that's, you know, not super coherent, like that's not a good thing. <laughs> no, and I don't think they did. I don't think that's the I don't think that's the case here. I, th- I think everything works. But like, again, I don't know if it's because like weird out the weird. The Al Yankovic story was incredibly hokey and cheesy. But again, it worked. It was almost perfect. <laughs> the, 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 it was it so over matched. the top hokey. It, but, it, it, but it was all over the top hokey. Which this one I think wasn't quite that. But it, it, was, it always flirted the line of over the top hokey and grounded. 
I mean, this, this, the, the, you know, the emotional scene with when he's sitting there with his dad, who you know wasn't always the greatest father figure to him, and he slams that beer bottle down. Is how dare you bring this up? Like that's a great yeah. moment, and it's. Yeah. I, I know you referenced it earlier, but again, it's. I think that's kind of more the wife's moment than it is his moment. Also, is because she gets involved. Oh yeah, and, like, and she steps. She's like, "Don't you dare talk to him like that." So, like, you know, I, I appreciated that. You know, the one the one thing you know um, with this population, like, they're known to be fiercely loyal, and like she steps right up. I mean, we see it early off in the beginning. You know, she ends up uh, she gets in a fist fight <laughs> because that dude pushed her uh, pushed her boyfriend at the time, and you know, I, I love that. And uh, you know, she I think she really kills it. She's kind of the glue to this movie, honestly. At least I I feel that way. Um, without her. You know, all the good stuff that he does playing uh, Richard, I don't think it would have worked as well without her to bounce off of because I think they work so very well together. I, I agree. And she's the one that brings it. She has those pivotal scenes, especially the tie scene where mm-hmm. Richard kind of very wisely, whoever, I don't know if it was Long- Longoria who, who who made this a thing when she was made, like who made, who crafted that scene the way that she did or is the writer that, you know, did it and Eva just kind of picked up on what was there. But that scene, I think, is one of the best scenes in the movie when he's like, I wouldn't be here without you. There is no me without you. Yep. And it's, it's a simplest, it's a it's a simple thing, just tying a tie that they have this incredibly the wonderful, intense and intimate moment with each other without being, you know, without any kissing or sex or anything like that. But it, it's yep. it's it's just as important as any of those things is. Absolutely. It is, you know, especially because she's the one that's always kind of as noted earlier in the movie as the movie does several it goes through several lengths to tell you that like she's the one that kind of pulls him back from those bad decisions and one of the scenes early in the movie was when you know when he was kind of flirting with the idea of living a great like living a uh, uh let's say a, a an abiding citizen life and living this the you know the theft life is that scene when his when his friends roll up in the car and he chooses mm-hmm. to go inside instead because his his wife is pregnant Yep. And that's like also one of those very understated scenes that she is the important part of because she's the one like her presence there on the couch brings him back in. And so that makes that scene with the tie even better because she's always the one that brings him back. Even when sitting on the, even when they're in elementary school, sitting on the thing together, right before he goes on his tirade about <laughs> selling burritos and making millions of dollars. <laughs> also burritos, delicious. Oh my gosh. They're so good. I don't know how you can ever say they're not, but. Nope, had a breakfast yeah. burrito today. It was wonderful. Did you make it? No. Who made it? Taco Bell? McDonald's. Ooh, McDonald's does make, make a decent, a very decent, inexpensive breakfast burrito, which is which yep. is always nice to have that kind of option. But you remember they used to be like a dollar each. Now they're like two twenty five, which makes me sad in my heart. But are you serious? I, I, I remember I them anyway. God, when I was like sixteen working at McDonald's McDonald's my first job. Two for a buck. They used to be two for a buck, but I remember on my break I could get two for twenty five cents. Oh God! That's why I like working the the breakfast shift because I could I could eat like a king for almost nothing. So, yeah, <laughs> handful of nickels. <laughs> I sucked down a bunch of these. Yeah, so fifty cents. I got four burritos in the call today, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go die now. <laughs> now, okay, so always with these streaming movies, I want to ask the question: mm-hmm. Does this shot in beautiful 4K? By the way, it, it does look. It always looks good. I'll give I'll, I'll, I'll give Hulu that. Is their stuff always looks really good? Even the new White Man Can't Jump, I, I watched this week. Also, is so how was that? Like I never did watch it. I didn't. I don't prefer it to the, the original is legendary and it's it's a movie that has earned its place in cinema history 
This new one leaves a lot it's to be it. desired. It's, it's not, not bad, huh? It's I would have gone very different route with it, but I understand why Hulu did what they did, and maybe one day we'll talk about it. Me, you, and Chris, if we can if we can ever agree to watch that as our streaming, but that would okay. that would that would involve you guys rewatching the first one, obviously. But um, it they didn't go the same route I would have with the characters. But that being said, this one I think is one of those movies that it works just as well as a streaming movie than it is. Actually, I think this movie would have done pretty well in the theatrical. It, it, it wouldn't have made $100 million, but it would have done, I think word of mouth would have, would have made, would have had a couple of good opening, would have had a couple of good weekends for Flamin' Hot. I think if they would have marketed this right, they could have got something out of it. But, you know, I think they have to look at it as something, hey, you know, we, we have ourselves a legit good movie here. Let's hold on to that. And I'm okay with that too, because, you know, we've, we've busted on Disney for some of their, their movies on the Disney plus side, just remember this is a Disney movie. Um, you know, no matter what anybody wants to tell you, that's what this is. Even just because it's on Hulu does not mean it's not Disney made. Um, and I, I think it works and they should celebrate this as a good all around movie that, you know, looks good, is funny, has a good story. And I think this movie's probably pretty, pretty rewatchable. Now, look, I just watched it yesterday, so I'm not going to be watching it anytime soon. But, you know, if somebody asked me how I felt about this. I'd be like, yeah, man, I think it's pretty good. Maybe I'll rewatch it sometime soon because it, it does work. So I'm glad, uh, glad to have seen it. Uh, I don't think I have any real issues with this film either, which is nice. It's weird to not have any, and I, I don't really have anything that I can think of off the top of my head it does kind of check all the boxes um it's got a little bit of emotion it's pretty funny and it's interesting it's a story i'd never heard and uh, i like small stories like this that they get brought to light because you're like well that's kind of cool you know because of the flame and hot's an iconic brand so good for them i i agree it works very well it does what it does very well and it was a surprise and i'm, I'm glad that i'm glad that we watched it because it was it was a very nice surprise that we we, we got this um, is it is it like air where we're thinking some considerations when Oscar time comes around or, or not even close? No, not even close. But no, you don't think definitely a watchable movie, and that's important. I think so too. Is surprised the hell out of me. So I mean, I, I would like to. I would like to just move to score it if we we can do do that. Um. Uh. Yeah. You want me to go first? You want to go first? No. No. You go first. I've already written down my okay. number though. So. Okay. Cool. So I I think uh, I think Flaming Hot's a solid seven for me here. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, nothing really to uh, talk about. The only problem I only ranked it a seven is because legitimately I can't look at this and be like, ah, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. Like, I don't really have like that kind of vibe to it, but all around it is very solid, um, solid base, good story, good acting, and uh, definitely enjoyable. So uh, seven is where I sit with it. I agree. Uh, seven is what I gave it to. And I was surprised when I turned it off. And I was like, God, that seems like a seven to me. Like it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I was expecting like a five or a six at the most, but damn, it's a this is Longoria's directorial debut, so I'm glad yeah, that she does she, pretty well. She starts off with a with a with a pretty with a, with a, with a banger of a movie that she can so, she can say I made that. It was pretty good. I mean, legitimately, uh, Hulu's had some misses, obviously, but overall, the quality of some of the Hulu movies that we've actually got their actual original movies, um, they have more hits than misses, and I actually, you know, I'm I'm starting to really take note of that. Um, Hulu as a brand is kind of on the edge, like the cutting edge side of it. And I'm okay with that too. Like they're, they're not afraid to tell a story that's rated R or PG 13. And that's, that's fine. 
because look, they could have they could have washed this down and made it all, you know, this movie's PG and it's a, a fun story about how chips get made. But no, I mean, like they tell this dude's legit story of like him, you know, selling drugs and getting in fistfights. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that. Like they don't they don't try to like tone it down. And that's great for me. So I, for I agree. I agree that everything they did, I, I I was pleasantly surprised with the story beats, especially with <laughs> with Matt Walsh's character. Um, Lonnie. Was his mm-hmm. name? Yeah, I, I liked. Yep. I and and of course, in the end, towards towards the end of the film, when he's like, "Hey, can you just go? Can you just go clean conference room six, please?" And he's like, "I'm not doing." It. He's like, "God damn it, you're on the clock." But like we he's we like, all, like you knew where that was headed. You knew yeah. he was going to go up there, and that dude was going to be up there waiting for him, telling him they're going to buy his idea, pretty much. So yeah, I and I, and I'm glad that we got to see the real guy after the during the uh-huh. credit sequence. Like that's it's heartwarming, I think and it's job making him look like him too. Listen, that uh, that '80s mustache hair combo so powerful, I mean, so so strong. I can't say I agree with you, but yeah, it you're, was. I mean, you're wrong. It, it, it was everywhere in the '80s. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my dad had the same had the same thing going you on. Should grow so. it back now, honestly. No, I don't look good with facial hair, Roger. We we we've talked I about said this. Your dad, not you. Oh well, he does sometimes. He has a. My dad's got a very impressive goatee, like very. Yeah. Um, look. Ed Harris has a very impressive handlebar mustache. <laughs> like Hulk Hogan from the 80s. Remember that handlebar yeah, mustache? Of course. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's borderline pornographic. <laughs> <laughs> you had to go there with it, didn't you? You had to yeah. go there. Why didn't I? Why wouldn't I? All right. Well, thank you for joining me for this shorter episode talking about Flamin' Hot, the, 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 the somewhat uh, fake invention of uh, Flamin' Hot Doritos. The dramatized you know, story. Yeah. Dramatized story. But And I'm okay with it. It was a lot of fun though, and it was it was different. All right, this has been episode three three five B of For the Love of Cinema, Wait. a movie podcast. Each new episode posts every Tuesday morning and Friday morning at five AM on the podcast service of your choice of the following five. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe, every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you very much for listening. Check out the show on Twitter at Love Cinema Pod. I am at Grayson Maxwell One. I am at Rod Stillian. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook, always posting things on social media. Check us out on YouTube and send us an email to for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com. And next week, we're taking a look at The Flash and Against the Ice on Netflix. Yes. Yes. <laughs>